the school teachers who are who are working seven, eight, nine hours a day um, and then maybe can't make it to the rally downtown to block traffic or can't make it to the to the meeting on the other side of town um, to organize uh, the, the the boycott. Right. Or to, to do things more more on the ground. The, but but we all have to have patience, compassion, and understanding for one another that and trust in one another that we're all doing what we can in the best way that we feel we can be useful. But I definitely think that grassroots organizing within within your own municipality, within your own town, to try to win some measure of reparations, uh, is the right approach. As I mentioned before, there have been forty there have been forty. Uh, provisions of reparations through the federal government since 2000. And before that, in the entirety of American history for the past 220 years, that had been only about 30. So there's progress being made. We just can't talk ourselves out of the avenue that we think might be good for where we live, for our town, for the people that we know, or for the skills that we have as individuals and how we can best apply those to the, to the struggle. I agree. I think uh, every avenue should be investigated. Well, you know, not every avenue. There's some avenues that might not be so appropriate. But I think I think as much the sky as sky is the limit. Do, the sky is the limit. Sky is the limit, right? <laughs> the sky is the limit. I think as I think as much as we could do, as much as we could do, we should do. I think we should start from where we are. We should use what we have, and we should do what we can. We have made some progress with some. Some politicians, I think there are there are some discussions being had about reparations in the halls of power in this country, and I think we are gaining ground. Uh, but uh, I, the strategy, the strategy has got to be very focused and very pointed. I mean, because even the discussion, even the very word, it just makes some people so crazy that uh, it's it's going to be a tough one but I'm I'm willing I'm willing to take up the cause because you know things happen in this country that are inexcusable and I think reparations would be a good way for us to start on the healing process and a, a good way for us to solve some of the economic issues that we have in this country as far as this the disparities between of of wealth in this country the numbers are staggering, but we can afford it. We can do it. And I think that I think that we should. Definitely, man. Um, and that's one of the things that um I'm really glad uh, Isaac you have pointed out was the the left right paradigm in this country because if you look at it realistically, if the the conservatives the right whatever you want to say um in a large part due to just blatant racism but the other part of it of like oh he's so radical he's so he's so to the left and it's like that dude would have been a liberal republican like 20 years ago in this country so it's definite that we've went to this like really right tilted viewpoint on everything um, and that includes the political parties like, you know, there are a lot of Democrats that we would call moderates that effectively think and move like a early 80s Republican. Um, I don't know, other than, you know, supporting progressive candidates, how you sort of start tilting that back. And I know you had said uh, also, you know, you got to do it locally, which, yes, definitely. Um 
I don't know though that when you say that you're aware in places like the South, like I'm in Tennessee, that's not really even deep South. Right. But I go to these little communities or have been to these little communities that are just destitute, like just, just the worst of the worst. Right. Um, and it's white people. This is a majority white community. Right. So in any other context, you would be like, Oh, this is the quote unquote ghetto. If you were using the, uh, common parlance which don't even get me started on that because i think people misuse that word all the time um but anyway so they will tell you that it's the democrats fault they're in this mess but this place ain't elected a democrat in 20 years so it's just how do you like build it up locally when you're encountering that 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 mind state I think uh, the fact that we are still in a country that is, well, if you believe the census, about 70% white folks. And I think there are some progressive people on that side of the aisle that uh, would be willing to entertain the idea of repairing this situation the social injustice, the social ills with reparations and and trying to make progress in that way. I was gonna say something about the the, the two-party system, but I think uh, there are so many people who would line up against it as an entitlement or a handout or, you know, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Uh, there were so many people who would line up against it as an entitlement or a handout for people who uh, are, perceived as undeserving and undesirable. Uh, you have to remember, resisting arrest is a death penalty offense, summary execution for any black or brown person in the United States. So you wanna take someone who's regarded that lowly and hand them several million dollars because their ancestors were enslaved, you know? I think uh, I think many, many, many conservatives and liberals alike would find it absurd. Would find it absurd, and I think they would be wrong, of course. You know, because I think, like I said, the ills must be addressed, and the wrongs must be there. There must be some sense of re reciprocity. There's got to be some recompense to the situation. Uh, but I, I think people would just find it absurd that you're that you're handing out money to people who are so undesirable and undeserving in this country. People have been so demoralized, dehumanized, marginalized. Why do we deserve it? Why, why, why do black and brown people deserve reparations? What have they done? You know, it, it's, uh, it's a quagmire wrapped in an enigma that's been <laughs> swallowed up by a riddle. Yeah, I mean, it that that's that's what whiteness does though i mean it's i heard it put put one way before that that's a uh, race and but i'll narrow the scope to to speak on whiteness whiteness is a concept that doesn't have it has no dance partner you know it's it's not supposed to make any sense and rome you make a great point about about um people in certain parts of the country who are living in abject de absolute destitute poverty who will consistently vote against their their own interests 
because of what's been told to them for year after year after year. It all starts with the, with the big lie, right, about, about what it means to be white in this country. And, and it's true. I, I, and I don't mean to judge because I don't know the area like you do, Rome, that that you know, someone like you or someone from from your group, from your team, going there to attempt to organize, would would definitely fail. Um, I don't, I have no no doubt about that. Um, I think I think the movement has to begin organically in places that we inhabit, and 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 the communities where we live, and hopefully grow it from from there. Because I could imagine a place like that, people don't take too kindly to outsiders, and just like here in Chicago. Um, Black Lives Matter attempted to organize in Englewood one day after after a, a child was uh, not a child but a, a young man was was beaten up by the police and people in Englewood said we don't want you here because even though Black Lives Matter is advocating for for the protection of black people and for a radical restructuring of the way law enforcement in this country works black people in Englewood weren't interested in Black Lives Matter coming in and organizing a rally in their community and so um, and it isn't that I don't support the Black Lives Matter movement. It's to say that there's something to be said for grassroots organization and for people organizing in their own communities, and hopefully for that for that organization to permeate and extend and to attract people into the movement, so that eventually it gets into those communities that right now are are otherwise untouchable for for one reason or or another. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say this, I've always, it's always struck me, um, that one, when you look at communities that are destitute like that, that have a, a pretty, uh, homogenous population, um, you can almost at that point see how their, the class or their wealth level becomes indicative of, okay, if it was, a more multicultural society. I see how you'd probably treat minorities based on how you treat the lowest of the homogenous society. Um, so it's it's like almost like they become the de facto black person or the de facto Hispanic person being the poor person, but they still buy into, oh, if you're broke, it's because you don't work hard enough. You haven't pulled yourself yourself up by your bootstraps. And it's like, yeah, but in your society, they're talking about you. You're the one that gets the social uh, safety net benefits in this community. So how do they, you know, disassociate themselves from being the beneficiary of the social social safety net, but also the person that looking down on those that are, quote unquote, abusing the social safety net? That's it's just fascinating. Yeah, that's a hypocrisy in the situation. Uh, I think that the concept of race and white supremacy function on hypocrisy just like that. Uh, the uh, lyncher calling someone violent as they are lynching them, or you know, the police officer fearing for his life while he has a gun and a nightstick and a taser and pepper spray and handcuffs and a shotgun and backup, you know, but fears for his life every time he is, is faced with a, a black or brown person, you know, uh, it's the hypocrisy of the situation. 
And I, I think they both, the concept of race and white supremacy and these concepts of superior and inferiority, they function on a, on a very, very high level of just hypocrisy, straight up. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think that, um, well, first off, I want to, I want to refer uh, to a book called uh, Dying of Whiteness by Jonathan Metzl. And it is a great text that opines the very topic that we are discussing now about how white people in America's heartland and other places consistently vote against their own interests through the politics of racial resentment um, and because of the politics of racial resentment. So um, so that's a great book to, to, to break into. But uh, so like I live in a neighborhood where a lot of police live. And so I'm coming in contact with police all the time, some, some more often than others. Now in my first conversation with the police officer who I see outside my house all the time, I'm not going to talk to him about abolishing the police. You know, there's, there's no way I'll do that. I'm going to talk to him about the hockey game last night. I'm going to talk to him about the Super Bowl. Then after that, I might, you know, talk to him about what I do for a living. I might tell him about 360 Collective. Like I will work, I will work my way into his psychology slowly but surely. But there's only, I have to invest in that relationship in order, in order to try to infiltrate him, so to speak. Um, and it's that kind of that it's that kind of approach that I think can undo like deeply entrenched uh, white supremacy and and whiteness. And I don't think that's everybody's responsibility either, frankly. You know, like this guy that I'm talking about, he would probably he would probably never form a relationship with with Brother Tim. He would never he would never do that, or he would do he would have a relationship with Tim at arm's length. I can infiltrate him because I look like him. And so that's the responsibility of, of, of people who look like me to reach out to other people who look like 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 us to infiltrate them over over time. Now, my conversation with him is going to look a lot different than the way I talk with Tim and Amari and Grant when we're planning a 360 event. Right. Like I'm going to speak very radically, very honestly and openly when we talk about things on uh, on behalf of 360. My conversation with with with, with Patrick looks and feels very different, but is working towards that infiltration, that, that, that change, that transformation of psychology. And we have to, we have to be willing, especially people, you know, white people in particular, we have to be willing to make that investment as opposed to turning, turning my nose up at someone like, like Patrick, because he has a blue lives matter uh, uh, sticker in, in the back window of his truck. You know, like I, I can't turn my nose up at that. I have to try to infiltrate that to the best of my ability. And I agree. And, and to that end, I would like to say at the other end of the spectrum, some of the most serious resistance that you will get to this argument for reparations will come from people with black and brown skin um, because they don't want to ruffle feathers, because they don't want to see uh, uh, people who they also consider, due to the concept of race and white supremacy, as undeserving be given a handout because they don't want to discuss the past, because they don't want to get involved in any kind of struggle, uh, because ignorance is bliss and because 
You know, there's this, this, that's not the way the world works. You know, I think some of the most serious resistance that I've ever gotten within the confines of the quote unquote struggle for anything having to do with race or culture in this country has, has come from people who look like me. That's just a sad, unfortunate truth. And like you said, I, you have to have these conversations. You have to engage with these people and develop these relationships. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy. In fact, more often than not, it's extremely difficult. But you have to try to win people over to your point of view. And with the reparations argument, uh, you know, it's it's really a tough sell for for a lot of black and brown people. Um, I think one of the things that uh, it's so crazy because what both things that you said sort of brought me to this like realization. So like when Isaac was talking about, you know, talking to, I believe his name was Patrick. And when Timothy is speaking about, um, you know, black and brown people that might be opposed to reparations for what other, for whatever reason, it sort of makes me think like when we try to define like what is whiteness and you were saying like, you know, devoid of privilege, you can't really describe it. I think it's, it would be basically described as the ultimate privilege of whiteness is being given the benefit of the doubt. Like, and that's sort of how it transcends even like to other races, because there's some black people that just based off someone being white or white society saying something is the way it is, they'll give that the benefit of the doubt. All right, I'll just trust in that as opposed to, well, maybe it could be better or maybe it could be different. Um, and like in dealing with Patrick, you were saying, yeah, he's probably going to approach his conversation with Timothy different, even though y'all have similar ideologies, he gives you, Isaac, the benefit of the doubt. So you might be able to get deeper and maybe he'll actually think about what you're saying as opposed to outright dismissing something, you know, Tim is saying. Yeah, right, right on. And then and then all the all the while, Tim and I are talking, you know, so so Tim will do his thing and he will engage locally or with people that he can. I will engage locally and, and, and work with people that I can in, in our own ways. You know, like we you know, we each have racialized experiences. I have privileges um, as, as a white male um, that I that, that if I want to be truly an anti-racist, if I want to be a true revolutionary and live up to that term, you know, then I, I need to use those privileges in, in whatever way I can for the betterment of society. But it doesn't mean that Tim and I can't also talk at the same time and plan and coordinate and, you know, do three 360 collective together and, and things of that nature. But I have to recognize my racialized role and my responsibility in the larger uh, landscape of change. Right on, man. Uh, Tim, did you want to say something? Yeah, I go along with that. I mean, you have to know your role and uh, kind of understand your lane in the struggle uh, and in communicating with people. You really have to take time to develop those relationships and feel those people out and try to understand where it is best that you could come from to try to motivate them uh, to to your side of the argument to so you can illustrate your points more effectively. But uh, I, I think the resistance is real. And, uh, you know, you have to negotiate those obstacles as effectively as possible when dealing with, especially when dealing with black and brown people, because I think, uh, you know, talking about getting lips poked out at you, 
when you start talking about certain topics uh, in black and brown circles, reparations can be one of those things. And uh, it would take, it, 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 it's gonna take a lot of work, I, especially in the circles that I travel in, people just don't believe in it. And it's hard to uh, take them seriously when they start making these arguments against and they do have a lot of arguments against. And these are black and brown people I'm talking about. So it's a very, very complex issue, a very complex situation. And uh, the organizing, the organization that it would take would be extremely, extremely complex. But I think it's worth it. And I think, like I said, we are making progress. Thank you for coming with the numbers and the authors and the books and everything. I think we are making progress, but... There's, there's a lot to be done. Gentlemen, um, I've had you for over an hour and I definitely appreciate it. Uh, it has been a pleasure and an honor. Do you guys have any final thoughts or any any final message or anything you need to plug or get out there? Go ahead, Ike. Oh, sure. We, we have an event coming up on Wednesday of this week. As you mentioned before, Rome, um, we're on every every week this month and we have also events planned for the month of March as well. But we have an event uh, an online discussion dedicated to the life of Kwame Ture, also known as Stokely Carmichael, on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. It will be broadcast on YouTube, our YouTube channel, and on uh, on Facebook as well. It'll be on for about an hour and 20 minutes, examining, obviously, the, the life of, of, a, of an I, social social justice icon, Black liberation icon. Um, so we hope that you're... You, and anyone who's listening can tune into that. And then we'll be on the next week, uh, Tuesday, February 21st, talking about Black theology. That'll also be at 8 o'clock on YouTube and on Facebook. So February 15th, Kwame Ture, 8 o'clock. And then February 21st will be Black theology. And then on February 28th, the last day of the month, also 8 o'clock, we will be discussing uh, David Walker. And David Walker's appeal um, from from the antebellum era, pre Civil War. So um, different eras in, of history, different content. But we hope that we we've inspired and motivated folks to come out and and listen and get engaged in the conversation uh, because we think we have some good topics to explore with uh, with anyone who will join us. I'd just like to say thank you for the opportunity to come on and discuss these topics with you. And uh, appreciate your listeners for tuning in and getting involved. And I, and I would say for all my uh, devil's advocate playing that, that it is worth it, that we do need to organize. We do need to have this conversation. We do need to talk to one another. And we do need to understand the importance of getting together in mass and pushing in the same direction. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate it, gentlemen, once again. And uh, Tennessee Progressive League, we are out.